This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Happy holidays and welcome back to the WOMED. Well, we all know this year has been a year of firsts and especially for me, a personal year of triumphs. This year, I took control of the pod and really pushed myself out of my own comfort zone. I am so excited to bring this season to a close and get ready for season three. Big things are in store, believe me. First off, I will be joining Patreon to give y'all special access to episodes, merch, and so much more. This week on the WOMED, I bring you Dr. Nina Ahuja, author of Stress in Medicine and Ophthalmic Surgeon. I hope y'all are ready for the season finale. I wanted to pop in here again just to tell you that I am so grateful for all of you continuing to listen to and support the WOMED and support this space of empowerment. I will continue to give you my best and grow this community. And please, if you're listening right now, I want you to write in your nursey energy moments. I promise you they won't get lost. I just think it's so important to share and uplift moments in our own careers that we are proud of, moments that remind us why we do what we do, moments that make us feel powerful. You might not know who your story could empower. So please, message them to me at the WOMED or leave them in a review. That would actually help us out a ton. All right, everyone, welcome back to the WOMED. Tonight, I'm speaking with Dr. Ahuja, and I'm just, I'm so excited. Nina, thank you so much for making the time today. When initially you were proposed to me as a guest, I was like, oh my gosh, this, I, A, have never had an ophthalmologic, I cannot speak today, ophthalmologic, <laughs> is it ophthalmologic? Opth- ophthalmologic? <laughs> yeah, or ophthalmologic surgeon, sure. Yes, that's what I'm, that's what I'm struggling to say today. <laughs> I'm not going to even try and say it again. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> ophthalmologic, ophthalmologic surgeon. I can't do it. Oh my God. <laughs> That's a okay. It's not a problem. You're a surgeon. You're an ophthalmic surgeon. Yes, you're an eye surgeon because I am struggling today. (laughs) Not a problem. But I was so excited because I a I haven't been able to have anyone on in in the whole 
uh, eye surgical world or uh, or an ophthalmologist. So I was really excited to talk about eyes because I have kind of a funny little anecdote about mine going bad. But you also, you were far more productive than I think most people during quarantine. You wrote a book. <laughs> I did. I did write a book. That's true. And it's fantastic. I, I've, I'm loving reading it. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. I'm so glad. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk about a lot of things. I was like, what direction do I even want this to go in today? Because you're so out of the box. And this is what I love. I love out of the box people. Um, mm. But I guess let's let's start at the beginning. You what what sparked your passion for eyes and kind of like drew you to the medical field? That's an interesting question. I when ever since I was a child, I always had the tendency to wanting to help and to care for things. So the story that comes to mind for that is I was about four years old. And uh, my friends and I were playing out uh, outside the home and there was a gravel road at that time. And I remember seeing this worm and the worm had a bulge in it. So in my mind, the worm was pregnant. And so <laughs> I thought something, somebody has to take care of this worm because it, you know, it's going to have little worms. <laughs> so it needs some, some, some protection and support. So I actually built a little mud fence around it. And my friends and I were saying, you know, we need to water this worm. So we put some water in and then it got absorbed by the earth. <laughs> we thought we should put some more water in. And in the end, we ended up actually drowning the worm, which is this was not a happy ending. But I remember going in and telling my mom and dad, and I was upset that, you know, I, we had this worm and we drowned this worm. And, you know, and they said, well, you know, you're trying to help. And at least your intention was good. And, and it's okay. These things happen. I don't overwater your worm. So. I've always had that uh, tendency with my dolls. You know, I used to play with bandages all the time and they would be mm -hmm. um, filled with that. So I always had an inclination towards wanting to care for people and work with people. That's something that I've always enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And uh, another thing that's interesting is I always noticed people's eyes. That was often the first feature that I picked up when I met someone. So I may not remember their name, but I would remember their eye color. It was very strange. Oh, that's As neat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then as I went uh, through school in high school, I remember I did a project, we had to pick one of the five senses. And so I did vision. And going into undergrad, I went to uh, University of Waterloo, which has the only English speaking uh, school of optometry. Mm. I, I was interested in that I thought that might be a possible career path, went <laughs> to some of the sessions, and then realized that I liked to have a little bit more uh, hands-on in the work, not in terms of, you know, you're dealing with people and you are working with different instrumentation and optometry, but I really mm -hmm. was drawn to the surgical aspect of things and the medicinal aspect of things. So then that's when I decided to, to go into medicine. In medical school, I didn't have any inclination towards eyes at that point because I had felt I had explored it when I was looking at the school of optometry. Mm -hmm. And then in my second year we had to do a project uh, which was looking at any topic we were interested in as a literature review so to look at what research is out there what evidence is out there about any topic that we wanted to explore with that I looked at laser eye surgery because that was something that was um, up and coming and it was on the heels of another technique of getting rid of glasses and eyewear glasses so it was something I was interested in 
when I was studying that, that's when my fascination kind of reawoke for eyes. And then I decided that I wanted to pursue ophthalmology. Oh, that's so neat. Mm -hmm. I I love hearing people's stories and like their background stories about like different things that spark their passions. Um, And I, I, I'm actually probably can I'm I'm convinced you probably didn't actually kill that worm either. Thank you. I, I'm gonna go with what you're saying <laughs> because you know it rains too, and what what happens when to the worms when it rains? You know they're they're getting highly watered too. So it's a very good point. Thank you. I think I think it delivered its <laughs> its worms, and I I think it went on to live a very healthy life. <laughs> I'm going to go with that. That makes me feel much better. (laughs) (laughs) I have always loved people's eyes as well. And I have actually always wanted to wear glasses, which Hmm. is is so strange. Um, Just because at first I was like, oh, well, I look cute and smart in these. And, and now that like, I, I have to wear them. Well, I've, I found out I have to wear them for, for driving. Um, Mm -hmm. I still love them. I think they're, I think they're really cute, but it's just funny. I went to, I went to like Warby Parker cause they have all of their, they, they have an optometrist there now. You can go one and done. I love the mm-hmm. Warby frames. This is not sponsored by Warby. I just really like Warby Parker and I was getting my eyes checked. I knew things were starting to get a little blurry, like further away. And she puts up something on the screen. That's like in a mirror behind me. She said, okay, uh, let's just start off, like, read the top line. And I was like, um, is that in English? <laughs> because I, it looks like it's, it, it looked like Japanese um, kanji, like characters. I was like, um, okay, maybe I have a problem. <laughs> okay. And she's like, okay, yeah, you're, you're, we're definitely going to need to get you some, some glasses here. So yeah, it sounds like a good idea. Yeah, but I was just—I sure. mean, it literally looked like um, it looked like a Japanese script. You know, I was That's like, "This funny. no." Uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think it's funny now when I tell it, but I was like, "Yeah, okay." So, old age, you know, 30, 35 and finally, finally, really, really need glasses. But I'm curious. Okay, so you went to school in Canada. Mm-hmm. Is school that much different? Is med school that much different in Canada as opposed to the U.S.? I would say the North American system is fairly consistent. Okay. There, yeah, we have, you know, every country has their um, accreditation standards. And I know the mm-hmm. U.S. has an accrediting body. We have our accrediting body. So that uh, there are certain requirements that are expected you fulfill in order to be able to complete your medical degree. Mm-hmm. Both in Canada and the U.S., there's uh, an academic component, which is your learning. I mean, the whole thing's academic, but you have your more core component, which is actually learning theory. So your anatomy, physiology, uh, pharmacology, all of those things that you need to know. And then there's the clinical component, which is when you actually have exposure to patient care in hospitals, clinics, uh, outpatient uh, settings, those sorts of areas. Mm -hmm. One of the things that has really come into play um, in the last couple of decades, actually, it's not really new, but it is something that is becoming more widespread, is the idea of problem-based learning or case-based learning, so that rather than having core material being presented just by lecture, you're presented with medical problems and issues and scenarios whereby you then come about uh, and select various goals and objectives and then pursue 
that learning in an applied form, as opposed to here's a list of 10 things to remember as causes for, you know, X, Y, or Z. Oh, so, neat. Yeah. So it, it's a very applied way of learning mm-hmm. theory that is very in itself, possibly quite dry. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're trying to pull things together. So it makes it relevant and relatable. Neat. But I think that would be the case across Canada and the U.S. actually. Okay. Yeah. I honestly don't know. You also teach though too. So you have, you started your own private practice mm-hmm. and, and you also kind of stayed on the academia side of things too. Mm-hmm. So are you, are you a professor as well? Yes. Yeah, so I have a, an associate clinical professor appointment uh, in the Department of Surgery at McMaster University, uh, which is in Hamilton, Ontario, uh, about 45 to 50 minutes west of Toronto, which Mm -hmm. people may be a little bit more familiar with Toronto. It is, so that's my uh, faculty appointment, but within the Department of Surgery, I'm academic division head for ophthalmology. So the uh, academic side of eye surgery is under the umbrella of the division head. So that's the academic role I have there. And then that brings me to various committees at the national level where we look at different activities and standards um, and expectations requirements for uh, people becoming eye surgeons uh, across, across Canada. So, and I do teach as well. So those, that's the administrative side of it. And then from a teaching perspective, one of my main areas is surgical teaching and specifically with uh, cataract surgery, which is one of the most common procedures that ophthalmologists perform. So very, very involved with that. And in fact, was involved with setting up the uh, program for surgical teaching for cataracts within our residency program. So when you finish medical school, you enter a residency program, which is when you, mm-hmm. where you do your specialty training, which you would be familiar with. So um, that, that uh, component of the residency program is something I really started in on initially in my academic roles eventually becoming residency program director and then now being division head. So uh, that's on the academic side. How do you balance all of that with your practice? The surgical teaching part is part of my practice in the sense that I see consults in the office and, you know, do patient assessments and those who require cataract surgery have their procedures done at an academic teaching center. So the assumption, yeah. So the assumption is that if you're a patient having your surgery at an academic teaching center, you are consenting to residents working Mm -hmm. with the primary surgeon who in in my case would be me uh, to work on your case so that we can actually actively teach as we, as we ourselves are doing it. So that's from the, the surgical teaching part, it gets incorporated into my practice. Now that you can't do the volumes that you would do if you weren't teaching, because obviously you want to take your time and make sure Mm -hmm. that the residents are learning appropriately, but that's how that part gets incorporated. The administrative side, that's something that uh, I've really, it really brings a lot of joy and satisfaction. I have a lot of interest in systems and leadership and, and things like that. So I've now been able to carve out time in my schedule to allow for that before I was basically getting up at five in the morning and you know working all hours really but that's where the balance became difficult Mm -hmm. I did recognize though that you can't that's not sustainable so it was a matter of prioritizing and deciding 
what brings me the most satisfaction? How can I incorporate that so that I can enjoy my time with my family as well and not be falling asleep at 7.30 every night if I can avoid it. So <laughs> it's still a challenge sometimes, but I'm getting better at it. <laughs> yeah. I think that's just one of the big like mysteries of life is trying to find that balance to do all the things that we want to do. Mm-hmm. It's true. So 2020 has helped many people stop and reflect, but it's brought many others to their breaking points especially in healthcare. It goes without saying, we as healthcare workers are known to put our health and mental wellness on the back burner. But how can we care for our patients if we aren't filling up our own cups and caring for ourselves? BetterHelp is so unique in that they offer online mental health support from licensed professional counselors trained in areas like trauma, depression, anxiety, family and LGBTQ matters, even regarding sleep. You have access to video, call, or chat with a live counselor from the comfort and privacy of your own home. It's often more affordable than traditional offline counseling as well. Plus, financial aid is available. I want you to start living a happier life today. And as a listener, you will get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P.com slash WOMED. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash WOMED. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. I love your book. I feel like a lot of the times, you know, and it's it's not like a, a medical text per se, but it's like a, a companion book. But like, you know, sometimes those things are kind of dry to read and yours just is not. You have you're a beautiful writer. Thank you. I just feel your your passion for what you're talking about and your compassion for your patients for the admit, you know, program. And yeah, I want to talk about that some more. I, I have been struggling with trying to write a book as well. Mm-hmm. So I may pick your brain later on different like tips for that. Sure. But what kind of, what sparked this mission in you to write stress in medicine? That stress in medicine, ultimately, as you're um, receiving from it, which I'm so happy to hear, is was really a passion project from the heart. It, it came to me during COVID because as things were shutting down, one of the things that was impacted 
were, as you know, um, elective procedures and assessments, which ophthalmology falls under that, except mm-hmm. for tra- trauma cases and emergency cases. So yeah. with that, in my leadership role, that brings me to the national level for ophthalmology. We were talking a lot about the challenges that residents were facing and the struggles that they were going through and the stresses that they were having to deal with on top of the regular stresses of being a resident. Mm. There were some residents who were going to be hitting their final certification exams. They were completely up in the air. So as you know, for your exams as well, when you're looking at your final certification exams, everything's riding, right? Like everything you've done up until that point is to that one day you do your certification exam and finally you're a certified specialist um, you know, physician, nurse, whatever specialty or whatever profession you're in. Mm-hmm. So with that being in flux, it brought me back to my own time thinking about the stress that I went through as a medical student and the challenges that I faced in particularly medical school and also residency for various reasons. And I thought that period was so difficult. Imagine what it must be like for the residents and medical students now going through this period where there's so much uncertainty, uh, you know, when will the exams be? What about, you know, medical students having applied to residency programs? What's going to happen there? For residents who were awaiting their certification exams and looking for for new uh, opportunities for fellowship or, you know, jobs in certain places, how is that going to impact them on top of, you know, having to worry about the stress that I have this exam coming up? So when I had that realization and that my personal reflection, I thought, you know what, I really want to write about this. And with the closure, the timing of it was such that I've never had a a block off like that. Like I've never taken a sabbatical. Mm -hmm. So my motivation was really to maximize the time, uh, utilize each day that would otherwise be spent in the office or in surgery treat that as a work day and dedicate that to writing this book. We were closed for three months. Uh, my, my office mm. was closed and the OR was closed for a very long period for someone who um, is used to, you know, not taking more than two weeks off at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that motivating factor of, okay, we're closed. We don't know when we're going to reopen. I want to reopen, but I also want to finish this book. That was really motivation to get it done. And then the subject matter is something so close to my heart because of everything I went through. And I've always had, and I say this often, I have a soft spot for medical students and residents and, you know, nursing students, like anybody who's a student, I've really got a a soft spot for because it's hard. It's not an easy journey. And so Mm -hmm. that, that really made me want to, to do this. Like I kind of mentioned before, I think it's a valuable companion and it should, it should be a part of med school like teaching curriculums or suggested reads you know Mm. even even as a nurse I related to to a Mm. lot because they're just there is there's so much stress that we internalize as healthcare professionals Mm -hmm. you know whether that's from you know our employers or the hospital Mm -hmm. system politics to our patients you know that we're seeing it's just a very very valuable and I'm, I'm very grateful that you wrote it. <laughs> well, thank you. And, you know, my, my vision, my, you know how they say, what's your champagne moment? 
Mm-hmm. My champagne moment with this book would be that it is mandatory reading in all medical schools, all nursing programs, like mm-hmm. any health professional program. I would love to see this as a mandatory read for the simple fact that, you know, the feedback that you're giving, the feedback that I'm seeing in reviews, mm-hmm. people are connecting with it. And I, I think, as you know, wellness is huge and we mm-hmm. do internalize things. And it's so important to be able to talk about it amongst people you you trust, people who can relate. And then by offering an organized framework, I'm hopeful that it makes those experiences manageable because you can break it down and look at it in a structured way instead of the overwhelming bundle of emotions that everything brings when you're being hit with stressful circumstances left, right, and center, whether it be something's happening at home and then something's happening at work and then something's happening at the organization. And it never, things don't happen in isolation as you know, right? So, Mm -hmm. so the idea is that by providing the framework, hopefully it can allow things to be a little bit more organized and therefore more manageable. An idea just for, you know, selling the book, I think you should incorporate like a journal or something with it. Like, so you have all the talking, like the reflection points and, um, and like the internal questions, but maybe if it was like, if it came with like a, a little journal, this is just a marketing thing mm-hmm. I, that just no, popped into my head. Too. I think that would be nice because then people ha- have the ability to do like more of that self-reflection. But I mean, mm-hmm. it, for me, you know, journaling is, 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 is that, you know, it's, um, it's how I, I process more stressful things in my life and mm-hmm. It's just so therapeutic. So I think that would just be an added therapeutic bonus to to your read. <laughs> Thank you. No, no problem. Sorry. Unsolicited advice. I'm really good no, at doing I don't that. Mind. This, no, this is great. This is a great idea, actually. Um, yeah, because you've got your core material or you've got the framework and the mm-hmm. relatable stories in one, hopefully relatable. And then you have a, a workbook alongside it to do the the uh, the homework, quote unquote. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, I was talking to a good friend of mine the other day. She's a, she's a med student and she's doing like her first rounds of clinical and, and she's just like hitting that, that wall, you know, like she's, she's under a lot of stress and I didn't quite realize just how much being that, like, I've never been a med student um, I know nursing school and like starting those clinicals and stuff were, were extremely stressful, but obviously it's, it's very different from being a doctor. As I was like reading through this book, I was like, oh my God, I just really, I, I really want to get this to, to my friend because I think it would really help, help her, you know, not to feel, you know, so alone, like. And so frustrated, like the things that she's frustrated about are like mirroring and in things that you spoke about in your book. So as soon as as soon as it's out, <laughs> I will, I'm buying her a copy. It, it actually is out now. Wait, it, it is? Was released, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was Yay! released December 1st. Yep. Yeah, it's on Amazon.com. Amazing. Yeah, yeah for sure. Okay. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's out and available. So she can certainly... Um, get a copy. Perfect. I'm going to send yeah. it to her. <laughs> sure. Yeah, no, that sounds great. She's going to get a little surprise in the mail. I love doing that. <laughs> That's nice. Ah. 
Hmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. So you're certified in emotional intelligence, and I just find that so fascinating. I never had heard the term emotional intelligence until I had gone on The Bachelor and my friend Taylor was having a discussion about it. Mm -hmm. But she um, she got highly, unfortunately, very unfortunately, very bullied and ridiculed for bringing up the topic of emotional intelligence. And then later, like just this season, it gets brought up again by another contestant who's like, you know, going through this book and he's like telling this kid, he's like, you're deficient in like <laughs> three of the four <laughs> fields, right, right. you know? And I'm like, oh, wow, you're so condescending. Um, <laughs> but like, <laughs> so emotional intelligence, sorry, tangent, has always had kind of an interesting connotation to me. So I'm, I'm curious. What is the actual, you know, definition of emotional mm. intelligence? Sure, it's a great question, and, and it, it is so important. So emotional intelligence is really about being aware of your emotional responses to things and how your emotions impact yourself and how your emotions impact others. So it's it's really about... So for example, suppose you hit a very stressful moment and, you know, you react in a way that you're suddenly very irritable. Emotional intelligence would be, there are two, there are many aspects to it, but if you want to look at it from two uh, primary aspects, the idea is what was it within you that was triggered that made you respond in an irritable way? So did you feel unsettled? Did you feel disrespected? Did you feel dismissed? What was it that made you react in that way? And then the other side of it is if someone then responds to you in a certain way, was it your irritability that made that person respond to you in that way? So that the emotion that you put out there, where did that come from? And then how did that impact the other person? So the idea is if you can learn to manage your own responses, which then in turn will translate into how you behave with someone else, then that can change how people respond to you as well. So instead of becoming irritable, if you were to recognize that, okay, I'm really ticked off right now because I don't like the way that person spoke to me. If you're aware of that, 
you can say, okay, that's triggering me to want to yell at this person, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to handle it in a different way, which then will impact how they respond to you. So if you start yelling at them, they're probably going to yell back at you. Right. That's just counterproductive. Whereas if you're (laughs) able to kind of, you know, take a moment and, you know, respond in a different way, it may actually serve to bring that person to a more reasonable state so they don't dismiss you. So <laughs> the, it, it's a, it's quite complicated, actually, from the point of view that there are 15 different competencies that they talk about in the EQI2 framework. So there are a number of different frameworks when it comes mm-hmm. to emotional intelligence. There's one, the popularized one, uh, is relating to the EQI2 framework, which is five primary categories, each with three subcategories. So the total is 15 domains. And, and each one of those ties into different elements. So if you're looking at self-perception, for example, mm-hmm. uh, there are three categories within that that touch on things like, what's your self-esteem like? Uh, do you believe that you're meeting your fullest potential? It kind of looks at the core of who you are. Then there's another domain that looks at self-expression. So, you know, verbally, like how are are you one who will share your thoughts and feelings? Are you one who um, is, you know, are are willing to hear other people and then um, express your point of view? Then there's another domain. So there are five different primary domains, and each one of those looks at who you are as a person from what you feel your sense of worth is to how you engage and interact with other people to how you then make decisions. Do emotions make you make your decisions or are you able to contain them and make a decision rationally? And then ultimately, you know, it circles back to how you manage your own stress. So there are five different elements. I think I talked about four, but there are five in that, in that, circle of emotional intelligence that each again then has its three subdomains but the idea is understanding yourself in each one of those areas which impacts Mm. the other and Mm -hmm. then the more you know the more self-aware you become the more quote-unquote emotionally intelligent you become as you learn to manage those reactions and manage those competencies and then it impacts you know the world around you in that sense and how it responds to you that's fascinating. And you have taken your knowledge base in emotional intelligence and created leadership education for other physicians to be more emotionally intelligent, correct? Yes. Yeah, so the, the leadership development is, is a twofold thing. One where, and you would be familiar with this as well, I believe it's similar in the States mm-hmm. where in, in medical education, there's very little formal formalized leadership training um, mm-hmm. or education in our programs. Right. That is a disadvantage to us um, mm-hmm. on multiple levels, both within organizations and systems at a, on a grander scale. It became quite uh, evident to me that this was a major gap in some of the roles that I had at the uh, university in comparison to the hospitals and vice versa, where I saw some physician leaders who were really good at what they did they were able to motivate people, they were able mm-hmm. to get things done, whereas others really didn't know how to communicate and were could be quite demeaning, actually. Yeah. When I, when I saw that uh, and some of the consequences to those approaches, 
one in particular affected someone who worked closely with me who was fantastic and it was just a very bad uh, outcome for her in terms of the experiences she had to face by the circumstances she was in. That inspired me to say, we need to bridge this gap um, Mm -hmm. for purposes of, you know, our day-to-day interactions with each other. We all work together. So to be able to be emotionally intelligent in our leadership, because we, you know, by way of being in healthcare and taking care of patients, we are leaders in one form or another. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need, in order to be able to relate, uh, to each other, as well as to patients, as well as to learners, there needs to be a broadening of education so that, you know, we can advocate for our patients work together and also advocate for our professions when we're dealing at levels where you're in a leadership role and maybe don't know the entire context because you never learned it. And yet you're yeah. sitting around a table making a decision. Wow. So that's where all that came from. You are, you are, this is what I mean. Like you are so far out of the box and you incorporate so much into, into your world. You're, you're a phenomenal doctor. I feel, I feel like there's such a stark difference between doctors that have an embrace that more creative, emotional side to how they treat patients to the ones that that just don't, you know, they're just not tapped into it. They're just like, you know, nope, just going to study, just going to power through, just, you know, Mm. my dad was a doctor, my grandpa was a doctor, you know, like everyone's been a doctor in my family. You know, Mm. I think there's just such a a beautiful difference in you and the way that you, I mean, I'm just, I I obviously haven't been treated by you, but I, I feel like your patients probably really love you. And I feel like your students really appreciate you. And, and that's, that's a gift. You're, 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 you're a gift. I'm calling that. <laughs> you're very kind. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That's very sweet. I, I do, I do love engaging with patients and, and I really do um, enjoy working with our residents and students. And mm-hmm. I think that, has brought a lot of satisfaction for me at, in my career is, is working with, with students. I love that. I love it. I really do. And I think that's partly why, you know, the book was so important to me as well. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Right. Right. Yeah. What's the biggest takeaway that you want people to have after reading stress and medicine? That's a great question. I would say that The biggest takeaway would be to realize that things may not be easy. There will be successes and there will be challenges. And that's okay. And it's important to talk about it because it's okay that all of those experiences, the highs and lows that we go through, are there to teach us something. And maintaining that outlook of learning and looking for the lessons in challenges is really at the heart of being able to manage these challenges, I feel. It's, there are going to be moments that are so low and there'll be moments that are really, really high. But if you are willing to be open about it and accepting of it and have the faith that there's something in there for you to learn from it, it will make the journey 
enjoyable in a way that you wouldn't anticipate, even in its difficult moments. I think that's what I would I would say would be the the takeaway. And then you know having you know the tool of the framework, uh, the admit mm-hmm. framework is just a something that hopefully helps organize it and package it, like I was saying before, because you know, while the highs and lows are there and I can say, learn from it, it's easier said than done, (laughs) of Mm, course. So the idea is by having a framework, maybe it can make it a little bit more bite-sized. So you can say, okay, there are 10 things about this issue that I have major problems with. What is one that I can identify and what can I learn from that particular one? Let's structure it and then, and then go from there and then move on to the next one. That's amazing. Where again can people get access to your book? So the book is available on Amazon. Um, Amazon do its all of its distributors. So in the US it would be dot com. Mm-hmm. In Canada it would be dot ca and, and so on. Okay. I believe it's on Apple Books as well. Oh, good. Yes, I believe it's there. And those are the primary distributors indigo barnes and noble i think they're carrying the ebook uh, but in terms of paperback and hardcover amazon's got all all forms of the book amazing and i have just kind of a silly question sure <laughs> because i feel like it's one of those things i you know er docs probably get asked what's the weirdest thing you've ever removed from a body but what's the strangest thing you've ever had to remove from someone's eye so there have been a few things, but I think the most memorable is the example I give in the book of the little girl who was in a car accident and the windshield shattered mm-hmm. and she had a, a, like 200 little shards of glass oh my God. in her eyes. And we spent, I think it was two hours just picking out the glass one by one by one. Um, she recovered really well. She actually, her vision ended up probably I think it was 2030 2025 which is remarkable given the injury that she had yeah she was yeah I remember that that's the one that stands out there have been other things like fish hooks and nails and things like that (laughs) (laughs) but but in terms of like the most memorable for me yeah was uh was being there in the middle of the night and one by one taking out each shard of glass wow yeah I can't I mean my hand shakes like thinking about that like operation you know like <laughs> oh god if it if i move it just the slightest minuscule bit too far like something terrible could happen to this eye that's 200 shards wow yeah it was a, it was an interesting case it was a long night <laughs> it was interesting it was interesting yeah well yeah. nina this has been such a lovely conversation i'm so grateful that you were able to make the time to speak with me and, you know, share about your career and your passions and, and stress and medicine, your, your new book. What's next for you right now? What's next for me? So for me, my objective is, as I mentioned earlier, is to try to get this book into the hands of all medical students uh, and nursing students and physiotherapy students and EMS students, <laughs> basically all, all health professional students. Um, I, I really do believe in this book. Like I said, it's written from the heart. I, I'm hoping that 
people are receiving it that way. I, it seems like they are based on reviews and all the kind words that you've said also. I would, that's going to be my goal is, is to meet with whoever I need to meet to say, look, can you read this if you think it's valuable? Is there a way we can get it to your students? I think if we can get it early on in the education mm-hmm. um, track, it's uh, the better it is because, you know, it's just the tool is there. Why not use it right off the bat? So you develop that mindset of wellness and looking after yourself as well, in addition yeah. to, to caring for everyone else. Right. So, right. So that's next. That's my goal. Maybe we'll talk in a year. <laughs> we'll have some I hope on so. That. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. I'm going to order a couple copies and I will post about it. I, I want, I want to do what I can to, to help you get this, you know, this book out there. So. Well, thank you, Danielle. I really appreciate it. <laughs> I'm so glad you enjoyed it. I'm so glad that you're no, it's, speaking it's to No, it's great. You. It's really, it's so moving. Like it's, it's not like, it's I, not that I was expecting it to be like a dry read or something like that. It's just a very beautifully written, compelling and compassionate book. It's, it's beautiful. Thank you. Um, are you on Instagram or anything like that? I just want people to be able to follow you if they want to follow or ask questions, if you're open to Mm -hmm. that. Of course, of course. So I I am on Instagram. The handle is docs leadership. So D O C S leadership. I'm on Twitter as well. It's the same, same handle docs leadership. And then, uh, I do have a website which I actually have to update, but I do have a website, <laughs> uh, which is www.docsinleadership.org. And that has more information about uh, some of the leadership programs that I, I'm running. And I'm actually starting a blog. I have a blog, but I'm going to be working more on that blog over the course of the next um, number of months, which is looking at some of these issues in our own resident pool. Uh, mm-hmm. And medical, stu- medical students at uh, McMaster and anyone who actually wants to submit ideas and just sort of saying, okay, you know, this is a common issue. How can we approach it uh, using the admit framework just so people can learn how to use the tool mm-hmm. so that um, if people have concerns, they can, you know, send an email to info at docsandleadership.org. Uh, that email's on the website. And then, you know, I'm looking forward to doing that just to, again, be a proactive about helping people learn how to uh, assess their stress and manage it in a way that's a little bit more structured. Amazing. Well, thank you again so much. And I look forward to just watching like your career grow even more. Thanks, Danielle. Thank you very much. And thanks for having me on on your podcast. I was listening to a few of your episodes and uh, it's really, it's really great work. Oh my God. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Well, that's it. I can't believe it. Season two, solo, without my other Danny. That's it. <laughs> I am continuously in awe of this community And I'm endlessly grateful to all the women who have taken time to come on the WOMED and share their journeys. To Dr. Ahuja, thank you so much for making time to speak with me. Our first eye surgeon, and hopefully not the last, please make sure to get your copy of Stress in Medicine. It truly is a heartfelt, easy read and should be on the list for required reading in med school. 
It's available on Amazon and Apple Books, and Barnes & Noble also carries the ebook version. You can follow along with Nina on Instagram and Twitter at DocsLeadership. Keep following the WOMED on Instagram for all the new Season 3 updates and excitement. Happy holidays. Bring it on, 2021. I could never fully express my love and gratitude for all of you who tune in each week. Till next year, WOMED out. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. <laughs>